You're listening to the Go For Growth Podcast with Doug Hall. Welcome, everybody. This is Doug Hall, the host of Doug Hall's Go For Growth Podcast. And today I'm very pleased to have a special guest, Brian Falchuk from Boston. He is both a, a published author, speaker, and podcaster and coach, and he's an executive in a startup company. So Brian's got a lot of real world experience on growing uh, personally and growing an organization. And I look forward to uh, dipping into that experience and hearing some wisdom today on our podcast. So Brian, thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Doug. So if you, if you could put it in a nutshell, what does growth mean to you in the business context? Yeah, we were just saying before recording, that's in my title, right? I'm head of growth, so I, I need to know this. Um, yeah, so this is a test. <laughs> yeah, I think there's, I mean, there, there's the really blatantly obvious one around revenue. And, uh, right. you know, that's, um, as a startup, we definitely care about that. And um, luckily, it's not starting at zero. So, you know, anything times zero is zero, but we, we have a starting point. So we want to, we want to multiply that. But that's, you know, that that's the really basic one is growing your top line and making sure the way you grow the company that's underlying that top line allows for there to actually be a bottom line. Uh, so, you know, smart growth, I've, I've got a background as a management consultant and I've worked uh, you know, pretty extensively in different business settings, public companies and private. And so, um, you know, definitely have a respect for needing to create the underlying organization so it supports what you've grown into. And the flip side of that and, and um, probably the most impactful in terms of facilitating that growth is for the individuals to grow. So, you know, you yourself as a leader, as a business person, as an entrepreneur, but then also the people that you're bringing along for the journey, either by your side or standing behind you, supporting you in what you're trying to do. If you're not growing them, you cannot expect the gas to stay in the tank long enough for that top line growth to be, you know, in perpetuity or, or reality for much longer. So it's, um, to me, it's pretty holistic. You don't get to grow one without the other. So it's organizational growth and the growth of people in the organization, and they lean against each other. Yeah, absolutely. And if you, you know, at the helm or, or the helm of a piece of it, aren't growing yourself and challenging and, you know, doing the, the personal development, you're not going to be able to sustain the other two. So that's an interesting uh, branch there. So think back over your own career growth and and personal growth exploration what what has meant the most for you to get you where you are today yeah uh you know for me it's more it's the personal things that i've been through i mean those from childhood that's what shapes the kind of person i am and um i had this moment you know very much not business related but i had a moment in 2011 when it uh, my wife became very sick and it looked like she wasn't going to make it through the summer she is still alive today um but her doctors gave up on her and it, yeah, it's great. Uh, our son was two and kind of watching his mother Ooh. die in front of his eyes. Um, so look, that, that woke me up and it woke me up to a lot of issues that I had since a really early age around anxiety. The plus side to the anxiety was I always thought the sky was falling, which meant I was always jumping into action and I was really good at solving problems. Um, I became my job, you know, as a management consultant for a while, like that's literally what I was paid to do is see what's wrong and fix it. Um, yep. so it made me really good in a corporate setting. It made me really good in business, you know, whatever we're facing, 
give me some time and uh, I can come up with a solution and I can implement it. And I've, I've been able to do that. Um, the problem is I just never, never did that for myself. And, um, you know, this moment where I thought it was just going to be me and my son was going to be raised by this guy who's kind of a um, anxiety ridden <laughs> fixer, but mess. Um, you know, my, my sense of responsibility to him and my desire for him to grow up happily uh, really just hit me in the face enough to, to actually face my own demons. And, and that's why, you know, to me, that personal growth is so crucial because I know I would not, my career was fine before I certainly did well, but since going on that journey, I landed in the C-suite. I became an advisor to a, a, this great startup that is really changing an industry. And then they asked me to join. So, you know, it's, um, none of that would, and then there's lots of things I've done personally outside of work, but none of this would have happened if I didn't finally face the need to work on, on myself beyond just my intelligence. Are there some tools or resources you took advantage of that other people could learn from? Yeah. I mean, here's the thing is there's lots of great tools out there. Um, for whatever reason, none of them stuck for me. And so I developed my own uh, in that moment. Something felt very different when I got off this last call with my wife's doctor and walked into our bedroom and saw my son and it just all struck me. And so I I knew it felt very different uh, in terms of really digging in and motivating me. And so I I don't want to lose this. So I need to look into what it is, why I feel so different, what are the aspects of it so I can sort of codify it for myself. I wasn't doing this for really any outward purpose, but really to save my life and the, the lives around me. And um, what I discovered is, is a few things. The first thing that hit me is the sense of purpose and motivation. And at the time, it was very much around my son. As time's gone on, I've realized, uh, well, what's become the first step now is about self-love and self-worth. And I, when you combine that with the idea of motivation, I've now been able to look at valuing myself enough to want to do better for me. So it's not just about being a better dad. It's about, mm-hmm. you know, I value myself a, enough to recognize I don't need to live the way I was living. I don't need to be overcome by anxiety, even if it serves me in some purposes or some situations. I could still have a good outcome and not be, you know, so so anxiety ridden, which is just not enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was first and foremost is exploring within what really matters to try to get a sense of a true deep motivation, something that's enduring, that's profound, that's values driven, uh, not something that's on the surface. Like I used to be obese. I lost a hundred pounds when I was 17 and 18. Uh, I put 50 of it back on until this moment in 2011. And the reasons, cause the first time I lost weight, it was because I wanted girls to like me, you know, I was, I was a teenager. Mm-hmm. Can't fault me for that, right? Um, yeah, right. But that's very, it's very surface level. It's very um, material or materialistic. And that doesn't stick because once you lose the weight, then what? You know, it's like losing weight for beach season or, you know, uh, if you're in sales, like trying to hit your numbers for this quarter so you get your bonus. Well, what's going to drive you next quarter? When, right. when that motivation is sort of like temporal or fleeting, what happens when beach season's over? You know, everybody loses weight for their wedding. That's largely uh, the norm for lots of people. And then afterward, you know, you go on your honeymoon and it all falls apart. Like what's going to keep yep. you going even when uh, times get tough? And so that's what I dug into. 
Um, and I've used the power from that to serve me in a number of different major endeavors and major challenges that maybe I would have given up on before, or I wouldn't have seen myself being worthy or capable of achieving. So that, mm -hmm. that was, uh, by far the most transformational. And then the second thing is just how I go about these things, which ended up becoming kind of my mantra and, and is the name of my book is do a day. This is how I, I live. This is how it work is I always looked at um, kind of all the pain from the past and I, I carried that with me. And I, you know, my anxiety was about all the things that were going to go wrong or all the things that were going to fall on my shoulders and, you know, mm -hmm. leaders, entrepreneurs, especially to start up, you're always looking at that runway and that is really mm -hmm. scary. And if you focus on that too much, you end up freezing or you make sort of uh, irrational or anxiety ridden decisions rather than the best decision to move you forward because you're making them from mm -hmm. a place of insecurity. So it's never, all this past stuff is not happening anymore. It's never yesterday. And at the same time, the future stuff may happen. It may not happen, but it's not happening right now. You know, I say when I lost hundred pounds, I didn't have to lose it all right now. I just had to make a better choice in this moment. And those moments add up. So it's sort of freeing myself from this, like, you know, what happens if we run out of money in March next year? Well, it's not March next year. So right, right. now I need to focus on the deal in front of me. And if I'm sitting here freaking out about us about to, you know, run out of money, I'm probably not going to behave the way I need to behave in that, that big meeting. I'm probably not going to nurture that relationship the way I should because I'm going to be anxious. I'm going to be desperate. I'm not going to be as personable as I should be to get that deal to close. Um, so it's, that's become really valuable for me is just reminding myself, look, it's only right now. So let's get mindful about that. And approach what we're facing right now with the clarity of execution of decision making that will actually serve that long term thing that you're so afraid of that may never come to pass because you did such a better job today. Makes sense. So do a day is is a way to uh, be mindful and con conquer your anxiety one day at a time. Yeah. If I get the concept. So speak to what you've observed among business owner entrepreneur you know, people founding or buying a business. Do yeah. you see more of, do you see more of that anxiety kind of thing? Does, do, do people gravitate to you or, mm. you know, cause we're, our audience is mostly guys, people that are building a business. So they're, yeah. you know, they're, they're out there by themselves. They might not even have a leadership team. They don't have yeah, a board of directors. Sure. They don't yeah. have VCs telling them what to do. Yeah. And, and if you do, maybe that's worse. Um, you know, yeah, that, that can and, increase and, your anxiety. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and actually it's, it's at that point where you may make an anxiety based decision on which VC to take money from. And maybe that's totally. not the connection you should, you know, maybe it was one offered you three mil and the other offered you four and you took the four, but the three was the one who was going to get you to a hundred million. And the four is the one who's going to get you kicked out of the company before it goes bankrupt. You never Correct. know. Um, so never yeah, know. I, you see this every day, um, and, and I will say there's a valid pushback of, well, if we don't think about the runway, then, you know, we'll never get anything done or we'll make stupid decisions. And it's not to be ignorant to what's out there. It's about whether it's controlling you, if it's in mm -hmm. everything you do. And so there is a balance. Um, I was just on a panel yesterday with another uh, startup founder, a company called Relativity Six, this guy, Alan Ringwald, um, he made this great point sort of advice to the audience, which was all people in corporate settings. 
So mm-hmm. no, you know, there weren't any active startup founders there or, or entrepreneurs okay. there. And he was giving them a bit of advice slash a request to them. He said, don't ask the startup for everything because they will probably say yes and it may kill them. So it's like, you know, if you, if you're bringing them in to put in a, a he, he has an AI uh, predictive engine. If we're doing it for this piece of the business, once you see what it can do and you get excited, we love that you're excited, but don't ask us to do 78 other things that aren't really in scope that you're not paying for that, you know, you keep pushing because most startup founders that anxiety will kick in and you will push yourself to say yes to everything that's being asked of you because you want Mm -hmm. the deal because you want to make them happy because Mm -hmm. you need to survive. And actually doing that may, I mean, I've seen it myself where it's like, okay, guys, we got to take engineering offline for a week because this customer said they're kind of interested in this thing. And it's like, well, did you talk to them about it? Did you ask them why? Maybe we don't even understand the request. You're just talking about like stopping development on these 10 other deals or whatever it may be, because this customer who we know is paying us just asked for something. You have to strike a balance. And if you just go with this anxiety-based reaction, as much as you may think it's saving the company because it's going to reinforce the revenue stream, it may not be. You, you just may not be seeing it clearly enough because you've made an anxiety-based decision. Great point. So, so what kind of pry bars can startup founders, entrepreneurs, business owners, what can they do to to change their behavior and not just go along, get along and say yes to the VC or yes to the investor. Um, So I think there's a few things. If you have the luxury of others, um, whether that's people you're recruiting or people you already have, it is really important to have a foil or a balance. I think diversity of thought is probably the most valuable thing in business. Uh, the, The consulting company I worked for had a number of core values. I only remember one of them, which is a shame because they took us away one day every year for like this immersive thing on our values. And I only remember one, Um, but it's because it's the only one that ultimately matters, I think in business. And that's the obligation to dissent. So you need people who don't have just the right to dissent, but if they think differently, they have an obligation to say something. And of course they have to do it respectfully and they have to justify it and all that. But I I think that's really critical is everyone needs Mm. to feel safe in speaking up. And you need to accept it and talk through it. They may be right. You may be right. You may both be wrong, but coming together, you'll get to a better place. Even if you keep the same answer, at least, you know, now people are aligned because we've had the discussion and they get it. And so now we're all moving forward together. So that's really crucial. But what if you're a team of one, you know, it's just you. So you don't have a team uh, or you've already built the team and you guys are all wired exactly the same. So you don't Mm. have that, that counterbalance. Well, it is really important to pause and write out a few key things, and they really need to be meaningful. And one of them is your values, the reason why you're doing this. Mm -hmm. I've seen people do this well, and I've seen them do it poorly. It has to be something that really makes you stop, and you wouldn't have another layer beneath that if someone pushed you. So get down to why you're really doing this. And I hope it's not just to make money, maybe, but you need to have a purpose. And when you're facing these decisions, use that as your mechanism. So pause, look at your purpose and ask how this fits into that purpose. And even though you may not see it right away, 
or even if you struggle to answer it, the fact that you've paused may give you the space to actually reevaluate the decision, even if it ends up having nothing to do with looking at it relative to your values or your your purpose. Mm. It probably right. will, but uh, that pause can be really valuable in the exercise. Yeah, we we tend to rush to judgment or rush to make people happy, and just stopping sometimes is enough. Yeah, it's well intentioned. You know, it's not. I'm not uh, faulting anyone for no. it. Like it's a it's a good thing you want to make your customers happy. Just sure. make sure you don't put yourself out of business in the process. Um, yeah, just think through it, and you may make them less happy because they didn't fully. I mean, this is the example that I saw as a customer asked for something. Um, CEO was like, yeah, we, you know, we have to do this. And then I saw it, I was like, wait, look at how they're asking. There's something that they're saying here that doesn't really add up. Why don't we go back to them mm -hmm. and, and just talk to them? Well, tell us why you want that and try to understand, is there a misunderstanding here? Is there something we don't understand in their request? Because if we go off and do this, um, we, there will be an impact to us and we may not actually deliver on what they really wanted because there's like, there's kind of a veiled meaning in this like we just need to figure that out with them and they may appreciate it more than if we just say yes and go off and do something that like oh this doesn't really do what we wanted you know nobody's better mm -hmm. off for that exactly so um in growing a business we stands to reason we need more people yeah and in this economy that could be full-time, part-time gig, you know, contractors, some combination. So I, I'm not going to discriminate. We just need yeah. more people. So that implies working together, being in a team, collaboration, and all that. And it brings us back to relationships at work and how we, as a owner and a, and a founder of a, of a company, what's your advice on driving relationships at work? How close should you be to people? How personal? What are the levels of relationship? I mean, just in a nutshell. Yeah, I mean, I've I've seen I've seen a wide variety. Um, one more traditional corporate where there isn't really relationship um, beyond yep. like you know you guys went to the happy hour the company hosted once for John and accounting's retirement or something. Um, all right, and like that's all fine and every like I didn't have an issue working in that setting, but then I got to places where it was more intimate where someone would come in from another office, you know, they're part of the team, but they work in another office. And when they arrive, people are hugging each other. And I remember like the first time I saw that, I and like somebody kissed someone on the cheek, I was like, oh God, that's really weird. This is inappropriate. Yeah. And then I was like, no, they're, they're actually just genuinely happy to be together. And they've built that kind of connection. So what I found is, yeah, I mean, getting to that place, it doesn't mean you're best friends. It doesn't mean that you, you know, no intimate, details about each other's lives um, but you've gotten beyond the just like i'm only going to speak to you between 8 30 and 5 or 5 30 or whatever it is and mm -hmm. i want to know about anything else that goes on but also not doing it in a fake way because we can all learn each other's you know spouses or significant others names and kids names and where they're from and all that but then it's just sort of like oh those are details i got out of a crm and i don't actually know you so mm -hmm. you do need to be genuine you do need to care it was really interesting. We were just having a meeting the other day and uh, someone on my team actually had a, a concussion outside of work. You know, someone, you know, said something about like how terrible that is. And then the CEO goes, actually, this guy in marketing is really passionate about concussion awareness. 
And mm. he just started talking. It's like, how would you ever know that? It's because like mm. they went out for coffee when when the guy in marketing joined, not to talk about his job in marketing, but just to have coffee as humans. Mm. And the fact that the CEO knew that I thought was brilliant. And it's like, mm -hmm. well, now we know that when the staff finds out that this woman's out because she's a concussion, it's going to mean something to this guy in a way that it doesn't to everybody else. So that's an awareness mm -hmm. that there's value in knowing. So it, it is about getting to that deeper level. I think um, bringing people from other functions into yours is really valuable. I brought our general counsel along with me to a convention. And it's not that we had a problem with our relationship before, but we're super close now because he got to see firsthand like what that frontline life is like. Um, he said he's never going to another one. It was it was really uh, exhausting to be on the <laughs> trade show that, floor. Right? Yeah, but it was awesome. And it like he yeah. was fired up from it and exhausted. And it was like he got it. And I've been in deals with him where like, you know, he's leading these really difficult conversations with attorneys that get super deep and technical. And I'm just sitting there watching him like, wow, there's a lot of value in that job shadowing, but we had our, our HR person come to a sales meeting with us, like at a client site. I think a lot of companies wouldn't do that. And she's like all fired yeah. up and look, she's leading all of our recruitment and our people development. Shouldn't she know what our product is like and how it's viewed by the outside? So just totally. thinking about that a little bit differently, that created quite a bit of cohesion in the leadership team and, and an understanding throughout the company. So we try to do that kind of stuff all the time. There's so much value in that collaboration. So as you guys have built your team and, uh, you know, taken on series A first round or your, yeah. your A round of funding, what, apart from all that investment management, expectation management, just think at the grassroots level with staffing and growth and systems, what, what have been the biggest challenges as you've worked to scale high Marley? Yeah. Um, so interestingly, we haven't struggled that much with staffing at high Marley and scaling it. Um, we should, but it's been, and so we're in Boston, there's great talent here, but every event I go to, this is like the number one conversation is how hard it is to find people. We've got an amazing yeah. people and kind of like lots of options. Um, when in my last company, I was running the claims department for an insurance company. Um, it was really hard to find people. And there's a number of reasons why there are differences, but you know, we, we've got some buzz and insurance. I love it, but a lot of people don't go in like, oh, I want to work in insurance. That sounds really exciting. Whereas right. like we're a tech startup in a cool neighborhood in Boston. Um, you know, we got like a catchy name and we've got AI. And so yeah. there's reasons why like we're sought after and I get that. But with the insurance company, it was tough. And I think for insurance companies, we were amazing. And so people who knew us were like, that's the one you want to work for. So we even had it easier mm -hmm. than most of our competitors. Um, mm. But in both cases, there is one thing that we hold above everything else. There's definitely a, a bar like table stakes. You have to be smart enough. You have to be able to do the work. But the single most important thing in both of these instances was about culture. And mm. the thing I've always held is like, if you have the right culture from the start, defend it at all costs, because you can't really go back and rebuild it later. You don't want to have a cultural erosion in your company where people don't like being together, don't get along, aren't willing to share their views, aren't willing to trust that they can speak openly. 
because as soon as you do that, trying to get back to that is really, really difficult. So we were desperately trying to maintain that culture and know we had forward thinking people who would be open, customer centric in both of these companies, really. Um, it's been easy for us to find at High Marley, and we've got a great team doing that recruitment. Um, but at, at my last company, uh, we had a lot of success, but we might go like six, seven months before we found someone at times. Yeah, so you've got a, a cool company with Buzz now, and that makes it a lot easier. But it goes back to your original point. Be intentional about your culture and, and yes. guard your culture. Yeah, exactly. exactly. It, it, it'll, I mean, I'm a big fan of Patrick Lencioni, and he talks about how you end up with culture. And sometimes it's uh, accidental or yeah. aspiring to be something we're not. So be, be yeah. real, be what you really are. Right? Yeah. It's interesting. So Lencioni's work is at the heart for both of those companies. Um, no, and not a coincidence at all. There you go. Uh, it, he's marvelous. He's great. great work. Yeah. yeah. So, um, What's is thinking about uh, growth and, and also your speaking opportunities and you, you got a new book ready to come out in the fall. Yeah. Uh, what do you, you know, what do you think is the next level for you? What do you, what, what does personalize it? What's, what's on your growth horizon? It's really tricky. Um, because I, I, I think I'm, I don't fit the mold for a lot of people who do what I do because I'm not very revenue mm -hmm. focused, which is weird because in my day job, I, that's a hundred percent my ult. Well, it's my ultimate focus. I just, I don't think about it day to day as much, but for me personally, um, you know, people ask me like when you put out do a day, are you trying to like sell a million copies and retire? It's not that I'm against that. That's great. But, um, it never crossed my mind. How many copies would I sell? Like, I knew I'd sell one. My mom was definitely going to buy it. I think my dad might also. Yeah, your mom's so there's definitely going to buy one. You, you know that. Right? Yeah. 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 Um, so like, I'm, I'm good with that. Uh, but like whether it sold one or a million, that really didn't cross my mind. And it's the same thing for me in this personal side of my work. I would love to do this full time and have it support my family and, and everything I'm going for. And that's kind of my goal. But if it doesn't yet, I'm having an impact, then I will continue to do it. And that's, this is about impact for me. It's about like, when I put out do a day, it was probably 20 months before a day went by where I didn't get some outreach from someone about the impact it had. So to go 20 minutes, 20 months from putting out a book, like self-published, you know, I wasn't on Oprah or anything. Um, mm. That's why I did it, you know, like that to know that someone was like, listen, I've been struggling really hard and reading your book, it resonated with me. I feel like, I, you know, I have the tools I can, I can move this forward or like this spoke to me so much because of the journey I went through. And that is so unbelievably valuable. So same thing with nice. my next book is if it, it helps with relationships, um, then that's all I can ask for. And I think the revenue follows if you're, if your purpose is clear and you're living in alignment with that. And that's great. I don't do sales funnels and all that kind of stuff that, you know, tons of my friends do in the, in the speaking and, and writing space. And that's great. Yep. It just doesn't resonate as much with me. Um, so I just stay true to myself because ultimately I, I got to look at myself at the end of the day. Uh, so it's, it just has to align with who I am. Good. That's, um, that's a, that's a good approach. It's, and, it's, uh, it's know, not from a, like from a marketing 101 well, standpoint, it's definitely not, but it, it's 
the best approach for me. And so, yeah, it is well, a good it approach. You, it's giving you psychic and emotional income and yeah. you got to pay the bills, you know, so yeah. you find a way to pay the bills and, and, and uh, it's like you dealt with your anxiety. That was an yeah. important thing. We can't yeah. see that and we can't see your psychic income, but if but you can see it, you can see yeah. it. I'm, I'm good on both sides and this is done. I mean, you know, we were joking before recording about my second book, uh, is coming out much later than I originally planned. A big chunk yeah, of that is because 2018 it's coming out in 2018, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. July of 2018, it will come out. Um, there you it, go. uh, it, it's there, but the main reason is less because of my day job situation than it is because do a day actually stayed active way longer than I thought it would like a good year longer. And I ended up revising it after a year and adding to it. So, you know, that I didn't want to take away from that. I'm like, look, it's having an impact. Sure. Um, I was investing in the next book, you know, I'm still looking at product innovation, if you want to call it that. But, uh, mm -hmm. I, I still had something that was earning quote unquote earning exactly what I wanted it to. So I wasn't going to walk away from that. That nah, makes perfect sense. If, if you were, uh, in front of a, a whole room of business owners and you had to come up with sort of your number one piece of advice, the one yeah. you play the most, see the most, it's the most universally applicable. What would you tell them? Yeah. And this is a weird one to say to business owners, but um, I think especially for entrepreneurs, it matters is uh, I, 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 this is always my first rule for everyone regardless of the situation is self-love. You have to have enough, yeah, faith and belief in yourself and a, a valuing of yourself enough to know that you deserve what you're trying to achieve and you're capable of achieving it. This is not egotism. You know, some people are like, well, you know, I'm trying to show humility and be a kind person. You can be kind and also believe in yourself. When I hear mm -hmm. people self-deprecating or kind of talking themselves down or, you know, I hear founders who talk about their company and then they make little jokes at their expense or the company's expense. I'm like, you're taking away from e even subconsciously from your ability to achieve it. So have enough faith in yourself, believe in yourself because all those people following you need to believe in you too. And if you don't, they're not going to all those people you want to buy in and, you know, become customers. Well, if you don't, buy into yourself, they're going to smell that too. So you need to have that faith in yourself to begin with. Cause you're going to ask a lot of yourself to start a company. It's a huge endeavor. And if you really want to have the impact you want to have, it has to start with just believing that you're capable of having it and you deserve to have it. That's a foundation of leadership, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. All of this is ultimately, it's like the difference between being a manager and a leader or a boss and a leader. There's a, there's a yeah. real difference and it comes down to who you are as a human being and what you can inspire around you, whether that's in people or in the marketplace or customers or whatever. And that takes you being able to inspire yourself. Excellent. So how can folks learn more about you, Brian, and, and the work you're doing and how you're accessible in the world? Yeah, so they can, uh, they can go to brianfalchuk.com and, um, you know, if you, if you go there, there's a little pop-up that comes up and it'll ask you to sign up for updates that's the best way to know when July 2018 happens in my, my next book, the 5075 100 exactly solution comes out. That book already. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't, I'm not a big uh, email marketer. So you, if you sign up, you're not going to get an email from me every day or month. Right? You get a couple of them like a year and one of them will be, hey, 
50, 75, 100s coming out. Here's how you can pre-order it, or you know, here's the day when you can buy it. Um, so that's that's cool. a great way to do it. I'm everywhere as Brian Felcher. Uh, you can get to my podcast. Uh, you know, again, search my name, but it's linked on my site. So just go to brianfelcher.com and you can find everything. Perfect. We'll do that. Thanks for your time today uh, and wisdom. And you, I wish you the very best, very best success with with High Marley and with your speaking and coaching. So uh, I'll stay tuned and keep track of you. So thanks again for the contribution. Thanks for having me on, Doug. I really appreciate it. The Go for Growth podcast is sponsored by Resources for CEOs. We help overworked business owners take back control of their time, build a team-driven company, and multiply profits. Get your free copy of How to Get What You Want from Your Business at resourcesforceos.com slash guide.